0: Hello, and thanks for listening to Fantastic Noise. In this episode, we are speaking with audio producer Tony Churnside about the multi award winning BBC Radio 4 comedy series, The Skewer. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks a lot for your time, and thanks a lot for your ears. For a radio producer, the dream must surely be to produce something that you enjoy producing, that listeners enjoy listening to, and that critics enjoy critiquing. Radio 4's The Skewer falls into that category. Following a pilot episode in 2019, The Skewer has been a regular fixture on the BBC's flagship spoken word national radio station since January 2020 and is currently on Series 7. Created and produced by comedian and producer John Holmes for his production company Unusual, the 15-minute episodes are a sound collage combining topical sound bites with excerpts from popular culture, songs and other surreal content. In July 2022, I spoke with the man who puts it all together. Yeah,
1: hi, I'm Tony Chernside. I'm a radio producer, sound designer and technology kind of person who has has worked in radio, and media, pretty much my whole
0: career. Tony also has a background in audio technology and academia that we go into as part of this conversation. Although he's worked on loads of audio projects, there is so much to talk about with the skewer, I really just focused on that. After this conversation, as is the custom, I will tell you about something I've enjoyed listening to and our Radio Word of the Week. But let's hear a quick clip of The Skewer before going into the conversation with The Skewer's Tony Churnside. Perhaps the most unlikely sponsorship deal
1: of recent years. The backing of the, the Rwanda, Rwanda deportation policy by the Nottingham branch of the US
0: restaurant chain Hooters. Boris Johnson will come out of number 10 to make his final speech. Just emerged from, uh, from his den and we're getting a head-on view. He's having a, a good waddle and he's flicking out this very pale tongue. <laughs> yes, it's Farage Gin. The backwash of the available MPs. Cheers, everybody. Anyone who's heard some of your radio and podcast projects can probably appreciate that you take sound design and complex audio production to interesting places. Uh, When I first heard The Skewer on Radio 4, I was really struck by how it was not just controversial, topical, funny, but how creative and unique the whole production was. So I wanted to know, Tony, what your role is in putting that programme together.
1: Yeah, so The Skewer is something I've been doing now for, what, I'll get this wrong now because the the pandemic (laughs) makes me underestimate time by about two years on average. We have actually been doing it since before the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. John Holmes, who's a kind of legendary radio producer, really, and comedian, so started off in comedy and has done loads of stuff on Radio 4, he phoned me up with this idea, and, and the way he described it to me on the phone when he rang me was he wanted a kind of a, a sound world, a satirical river of sound, I think is where, where we ended up, exactly. how we ended up calling it. And he'd pitched it to uh radio four as an idea. And they said, I, I really don't understand what you're getting at. We can't work out what it is. Um, go and make a pilot and, and then we'll figure it out. So I, I think actually when John rang me to say, I want to make this pilot, it's just a 15 minute program of, current affairs, but sound design and kind of satire, comedy. And and beyond that, I don't think either of us really knew exactly what it was going to be and how it was going to turn out. And we just spent a long time on that first 15-minute show, building it and playing with it and playing with sounds. And, and it's, it's great working with John because we're both really into sound and audio more than just like most producers are are interested in kind of the story and comedy producers are interested in the jokes and the jokes are uh, almost always kind of based on the words or the dialogue or what have you but in this in in this instance it was the actual shape of the sound and the sound world was much more important to the comedy it was kind of central to to being funny because of the sound as much as anything else in there
0: it really comes through like anyone who listens to to an episode as you say it's it's really the whole sound experience a satirical river of sound sounds like an excellent description and yet
1: we've called it various things but that seems to be what the one that sticks and and helps kind of explain what it is but only after you've heard it i
0: think (laughs) yeah i was gonna say if it's the sort of description which sounds good to me yet if i were to say that to my wife she'd be looking completely puzzled. Uh, yeah. back at me i imagine your role in, in putting this program together because obviously you, you've got lots of experience in in audio production john himself i i know him best for his work on uh what was xfm um he yeah. he used, to, he used to, i think he might have even done the breakfast program once yeah, yeah, the yeah, so yeah. that's my much, much more conventional radio background for for john so when he he wanted to work with you had he worked with you on other projects um
1: we'd we'd worked on i think i'd hired him to do an event actually to do a a speech an event up in manchester years ago and then we kind of had a few beers afterwards and kept in touch since then because because he knew i was an audio geek so at that time i was working in audio research and development Mm -hmm. at the bbc we we, you know we were both really into sound and we talked we were discussed a, a, a different idea um i've kind of been been in in touch since then but waiting for the the right project really to work on and i think this was it because it wasn't clear what it was going to be and it and we wanted sonically it to be quite um experimental so we, we used we used binaural sounds in it we used experimental techniques it's it's best listened to on headphones Mm. not that it doesn't work on loudspeakers and obviously we've just done a DJ set on very big loudspeakers um in the grounds of a castle last weekend but um the the radio show is kind of designed to be quite closely listened to you can just let it wash over you but there's a lot going on in there Mm. lots of people listen, listen to it say it rewards repeat listening because there are lots of different layers in terms of the the jokes and the story and the clips, but also in terms of the sound. Evidence, should it be needed, of the surge in food prices. Where will we turn to for funds? Hello, now let's see what treasures our experts can discover. Coming up. Washing up liquid. Three to five thousand pounds. Right. A packet of frozen sweet corn. Five to six hundred pounds. <laughs> a packet of toilet paper. Between a
0: thousand and <laughs> two thousand pounds. It's quite special. So yeah. they are. A pasta
1: bolognese chilled. John kind of just th- rang me and said, I've got this idea for a show. Um, can, can you help me make it? Since then, we've we've. I think the show's matured, but, but but it sounds as good as it ever sounded. But the the process has changed quite a lot. We've got better at, at making it. We've got more more efficient at making it. Yeah. So before the pandemic, John used to come up because I'm I'm based up in Manchester. John used to come up to Manchester, and we kind of we'd sit in a in a room with each other for a day putting it together but now it's uh we do it all via zoom because the pandemic forced us to make it that way and it works quite well and we've carried on doing it that way
0: i'm kind of interested tony as to the process then of of making an episode now or you know one of your more recent episodes so i read online that a lot of the content or at least some of the content um is coming through from people plenty of people that aren't john oh um, yeah
1: absolutely so the the, the show has has kind of has got an open door policy there's a few shows on the bbc's that have got these kind of open door policies now historically shows have invited comedians and writers to like, send their ideas for gags in and um the idea with the skewer is that actually there are quite a lot of creators on in a kind of modern online world, do more than just write jokes. They mess around with clips, they cut content together and make their own content. So, we wanted to give them an, an outlet, like a broadcast outlet on the, on the BBC, where we're not just looking for people coming up with jokes and on one liners, which we do do in this and they do, and they are, and we do use um, ideas like that sent in, mm. but we also have. Things that are more than just jokes. Things that are clips that are assembled. So people send their ideas in, and the kind of the process that would normally happen is people would send their idea, their ideas in a kind of an email to John, who would kind of look at it, see how, it, see if the idea kind of fits in with the show, and if it does, then say, yeah, okay, go go and start finding some of the clips for this. So people would would kind of start looking for the clips to create those ideas and then john would kind of the, the way it kind of works is lot there are loads of ideas in from everywhere and it's pretty un- i mean i don't think it's ever happened that someone sent in a completed thing and we just put it in the show sure they send in clips and tr- tracks and even if they send a mix of something in they'll send the stems in which will let let us kind of adapt it because we're we're making a, a show um, by the time it leaves my computer, it has to be exactly 14 minutes long. Of course, of course. Um, and we never drop anything completed in. It's always items either created from various different ideas or built on and cut, cut up and chopped around, um, and uh, and you know obviously sound design and sound effects added, and then. As I said earlier, it's with a, this kind of idea that it's a satirical river of sound, it then needs to all be woven into a, a kind of a single experience. And the idea is that it's, whilst it is coming from all of these different sources and all of these different people contributing ideas and clips, it sh- we really don't want it to sound like it's a clip show or a mm. sketch show. We want it to sound like it's a single piece of art, really. It's a single programme.
0: Piece of art definitely is how I would describe it. And, and to give, I guess, listeners here a, a sense of the sort of content or examples of the sort of content, I just had a quick look at the very short podcast description of um, episode eight of a recent season. <laughs> five, five words within that description kind of say a lot in, in, in the sort of content you might expect on the skewer, and that is Fifty Shades of Sue Gray
1: yeah so i think i've I've probably even got that clip in front of me here somewhere but that was i remember that was the last episode of the last series yeah so this is that sue great (laughs) it's an example of the of a transition where it comes out
0: What did Sue Gray talk about when she met Boris Johnson? You
1: may call me Mrs. Gray. Why did she meet him? On page five, there are some terms which need clarification. No, I'm going to... uh, Accusations that the Prime Minister tried to meddle in this investigation. No, you can't do that. That's my job. You can't start interfering. Absolutely not. Boris Johnson said it was completely up to Ms. Gray what she decided to include. Why do I get the feeling that that is not true? Questions about the independence of the whole process, all of those now on the table. Right here? on this table I'm very proud of the things that we did you
0: need a haircut
1: my apologies for my hair but I do my best oh my god Uh, you you talk about us in this building and what we got up to Question, question, question. so that clip there you can see on the um session that that kind of all of the clips are pulled in so we've got clips of this is fairly typical actually of 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 what a kind of one of these sketches would look like so we've got clips of of Boris Johnson Clips from Fifty Shades of Grey, and then clips from the news that kind of recontextualizes that clips from the program yeah. into the the kind of Boris Johnson Sue Gray report that was going on um at, at the time. Yeah, uh, and obviously much further down here, there's there's all the music where it's been.
0: Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask where the music was hiding. You've got a lot of to describe this. You've got a lot of different tracks going on on your Pro Tools session here.
1: Yes, there. are. I mean, there aren't many being used in this one. To be fair, I mean, I can I can zoom out. Obviously, there are there are, there are sections where there's lots of sound design oh, wow. in an episode going on, and you can see much more of stuff. I mean, typically at the at the end, there tends to be quite a lot of stuff going on. Yes. Um, I can't know how this one ended.
0: Often at the end of an episode, there is like some sort of crescendo or, or a, a song, and it's often really poignant and kind of catches you out, doesn't it? Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalised abortion. The draft said must be overruled. The birth dearth by Ben Wattenberg, advisor to presidents of the United States. The first paragraph says there aren't enough white babies being born in this country white people
1: will lose their it, oh absolutely so i've i've never worked on another program where we've been able to go from ridiculous butt plug jokes <laughs> at the beginning through to some really quite poignant serious so you know tackle some real serious issues at the end like the abortion stuff going on in america and the police violence against women in this country so i I think it's uh i think it's really unusual to have a show that in literally in 15 minutes we can go from stupid jokes Mm. to really serious issues and we tend to finish on a serious issue we kind of bring the bring the mood back to being quite dark satire
0: you're showing me pro tools so i mean let me let me ask you a question about this because i often uh, work with with students on on audio editing tasks, and a lot of them are new to audio editing when they start their undergraduate degrees. Uh, we predominantly teach them to use Adobe Audition. That's what we have in the university. Uh, but but some of my undergraduates are telling me recently that we need to encourage them to to use uh, other programs more, and they're they're reading things or or going to talks and being told about other software packages. So. You use Pro Tools, but I'm going to guess that you've used plenty of other software as well. What would you say were the limitations of of various audio production software, and why do you use Pro Tools for for your the so project here? I
1: use Pro Tools because I'm fastest at using Pro Tools. So we 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 make this the skewer starts as a blank page, so every week it starts as a complete blank page, and we've got there's kind of not much point in starting work on it until towards the end of that week either because we want it to sound so current as a result we have to turn it around very quickly that means there's a lot of pressure on John Mm. to be funny and for me to be able to kind of make it sound great Mm. I mean the reason I use Pro Tools is because I'm fastest at Pro Tools it's not because there's one DAW that's like inherently better than another that you know they've all got their I mean, they all do the same thing essentially. It's just the buttons are in slightly different places, and they called slightly different things. Sure. The reason I use Pro Tools is because I'm fastest at it, and also because some of the other sound designers I work with quite regularly, we share sessions quite regularly. They use Pro Tools as well, which is which is the main reason I. Pro Tools is my editor of choice. Fair enough. The biggest disadvantage of any of these editors, the biggest challenge of any of these pieces of editing software is their interoperability is is like really limited so you, you can't start a project in one and then open it in another and then go back to the, the original one and expect there to be not loads of things missing or things not quite sounding right or what have you um, even with like exchange formats that are around you can move projects between workstations but it just it just ends up being a mess and it's much easier. To, so I would say for a student starting out, I would recommend that they kind of expose themselves to as many as they can and try not to just get stuck with one. I mean, Pro Tools has another disadvantage in that it's it's quite expensive for the mm-hmm. full version, and, and it does have quite a steep learning curve to it. But, you know, you can get a Reaper, and it's pay-what-you-can model is really good for people starting out who aren't actually making any money out of it and then they can start paying for it when they do make money out of it, which is really good.
0: Yeah, Reaper is one that, that comes up in conversations a lot with, with students, and, and for exactly that reason, the, the the way that you can get it um, without having to necessarily pay a, a massive amount of money. To get back to the the content of, of the skewer, Tony, what is the process of, of each programme being signed off by Radio 4? Because... I listen to it generally as, as, a, as a podcast, but it is actually broadcast on Radio 4 as well. And the BBC can understandably be a, a little bit precious about what they broadcast on a national radio station. And some of the stuff that is on this programme is incredibly controversial. So has it ever scuppered you with Radio 4 signing off content?
1: Uh, so it, it's, it's on late at night. Um, which is a definite, definitely helps us in terms of our our bad language, and we do use bad language in it. It's justifiable in 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 my opinion, but but it does. It, I wouldn't recommending. I wouldn't recommend playing it to youngsters. No, playing it while youngsters are around on car journeys and stuff. Sure. In terms of the the compliance, we, we we don't have a political leaning. We take the mick out of. And, and satire, ev- ev- everything. I mean, Boris Johnson features a lot in this because, at least at the moment, he's the Prime Minister, and puts him as a, an immediate and his uh, party is an immediate target. I mean, if you listen to, if you listen across the whole series, it's a, it's a very balanced in terms of it doesn't target one p- political viewpoint over another. It just looks at the world and sort of screams, mm. and that's probably reflective of a combination of the. Of the way that ideas get into this, which is by people submitting them, so that so lots of ideas are from angry nurses and angry teachers, who who are reacting to kind of the way the world is, and then through just through putting the program together with John, we we are careful to balance it out and to make sure that every, everyone gets targeted. Well, you know, all, all political parties get targeted, yes, um, in this. So balance is 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 one of the things that w- that we're aware of now that as you know it's a, it's a really fast turnaround where the show has typically gone out on a Wednesday night mm. the evening of uh, Prime Minister's questions and that obviously features in it sure. uh, most weeks because uh, there's normally something that is newsworthy that comes out of that the show doesn't actually get finished until mm-hmm. until a few hours before it's broadcast There's a process at Radio 4. There's a a guy called Roger who works in compliance who kind of signs off the content from a BBC, is this acceptable, can we broadcast this on Radio 4 perspective? And he's amazing. Mm. He's absolutely brilliant. He just checks it, and I I think maybe in however many series we've had, six six or seven series we've had, there's been maybe once or twice where he's come back to us and said can can you rethink this or is is this maybe this needs to be changed <laughs> um and they've always been very subtle changes okay those changes um there's been a few times when he's come back and asked us to, to justify something because he's looking at it from a from a from a viewpoint of it is this how are the audience going to react to this am i going to are we going to upset people and people going to complain about this and if people do complain what can i say so nothing goes into it that's not considered um where there isn't a kind of strong editorial justification for the presence of the c-bomb or um of us tackling this subject or using these clips and John is a, is an experienced radio producer and has, in his career, learned about um what things that you can and can't broadcast on the radio. And it, you know he brings he brings a, a lot of experience when it comes to that. So knows when something we get submissions that we, we both listen to and are like, that that can never be on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can, never, we can never use that. There's layers. Roger's that final layer of sign off. You know. Um, this gets a tick, and it can be on the radio. But there's lots of, of layers of to kind of taste and decency that things go through along that process.
0: Brilliant! And it keeps you the, the correct side of, of the line, as it were. With, yeah. With, with Roger, is his role to listen to the audio before he makes the decision, or, or is it some earlier stage? Is it? No, R- R- Roger
1: gets R- Roger gets sent it, and. Pretty much after he sent it, pretty much nothing happens to it. Okay. Unless there's some massive news story that breaks, it, 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 Roger will listen to the audio probably about five o'clock on the, on the day that it's broadcast.
0: Wow. I mean, that that is great. So interesting to, to hear about that process. Obviously, the skewer has gone on to be incredibly successful. You said you, you launched it pre-pandemic. Did you think it would go on to win as many awards and as much acclaim as it has when you started
1: Uh, uh, no i'm not sure either either of us did really i mean it, it it we knew when we made it it was it made us laugh it was funny and it wasn't like anything else on the radio it wasn't like any Radio 4 current affairs radio 4 programs have got like a a long history I'll carry on going with programs like the now show and the news quiz and these kind of panel-based shows Um, and we knew when we put this together that that, they just there was nothing else like it when we started doing it and and also we kind of knew it was good but we didn't you you can't predict awards or you know anything like that you just you can't you just you just don't know
0: There'll be people listening to this conversation Tony who are really interested in the idea of getting into your line of work. So how did you, you know, choose to pursue audio production? What decisions did you take to to get to your position?
1: The main thing that got me to this position was being a failed indie musician. Playing <laughs> in a band and not and 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 it was great fun playing playing in an indie band and we did loads of cool stuff. Um, but but it's taught me how to mix and taught me how to produce and how to listen to sound and audio. Um, and those skills that I developed then, I'm using so much in, in the skewer because it's kind of almost like making a concept album every week, the way that we use music and mix music. And I'm adding, quite often I have to get my guitar out and play bits of guitar into into it and program keyboards and stuff for
0: for the program amazing so that's you that's you as well sometimes when you hear those bits of music
1: yeah the the music is a real mishmash of the way that we put it together is that the the music certainly sort of the the fight you know the close of the show and and bits in the show when we play a track where the lyrics of that track match a story that's going on and clips that we can use from the news uh, and we kind of create a narrative using news clips and using the lyrics from the song and obviously it's not just putting news clips in the gaps it's creating the story just from the lyrics and just from the news clips and then you have to somehow make the music fit Mm. and that's 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 tricky that takes a while to to because we might be using like a line from a verse, a line from a chorus here, and and they're all all over the place, and somehow that has to be built into something that sounds like it's meant to be there.
0: Yeah, and and that's a good point actually, because there are elements like obviously it's only a part of of the program. You when you squeeze everything into that, those fifteen minutes, but there there are elements. When I first started listening to skewer I was like, this is a bit like Cassette Boy, those videos you see on social media where. Uh, politician where it yeah. ends up singing a different song
1: we, we accept con- contributions from anywhere um and o- but over the course of the few years that we've been doing this there, there have been people who have kind of always hit the mark when they've sent their ideas in mm. so there are a core list i mean if you listen to the if, if you listen to the credits mm. you, there's there's a list of contributors and then there's additional material kind of list mm-hmm. at the end and obviously uh, alexa reads all of our lyrics, or tries to read all of our um, credits out. Doesn't always pronounce the name like, unfortunately, Hello, <laughs> Alexa. Who twisted the skewer?
0: The skewer was twisted by John Holmes, Paul Carney, Gareth Predict, Henrik Persson, David Rifkin, Dave Wall, and Tony Chernside. Additional material Susan Harrison, Alice Bright, John Upton, Dave Moore. Uber. And those names at the beginning
1: of the credits are those people who contribute kind of regularly throughout the series. Um, and there's a guy called Dave Wall who does a song for us every week. So it, John normally gives him a topic or a news story to to do the song and he'll and he'll kind of build it and that's kind of quite uh cassette boy and also he starts with a video as well so there's, there's always a video to accompany accompany that song but again we kind of slot that in in a way that hopefully it doesn't sort of stick out as oh this is the song yeah hopefully it feels a part of the whole program
0: yeah no I hadn't I hadn't picked up on that I, I knew that there were songs but I hadn't always necessarily realized it was one person that was doing that. that's amazing that's great yeah but- so
1: Dave always always sends a song in and and it, and it is it's so so the difference is Dave's song, he's, he's kind of written it using clips mm. for, the, for the lyrics whereas the other a lot of the other tracks are songs that exist already that that I've just cut up and reassembled to go with other news stories. If you agree with the Home Secretary though, the police should be a bit less woke, That's the sound that I want Woke, woke. That's the sound that I
0: want, is. Woke, woke. That I want is. Where is the Bobby on the beat? You want to see me, sir? Come in, shut the door. A police force that is woke, that is politically correct. I want to talk to you about some charges. Then getting back to you, Tony, you had the failed uh, indie band experience, but yeah. am I right in thinking you also ended up doing uh, university education which focused on audio
1: yeah so i I did um, like a music degree at undergraduate level and then i went back and did an acoustics master's and following that got a job with bbc research and development focusing on audio and spatial audio and future audio formats and what have you um, and while I was there, I actually, I did a PhD in in audio perception as well.
0: Great! Uh, You're truly an audio academic and, and and expert, then Tony. So you you are you get to wear the the proper big hat at graduation ceremonies too. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. I would get the hat. I'm a i am correct people when they call me Mister. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah. So I've got I've I've done lots of studying of of audio and acoustics and what have you how much of that actually is is some of it's definitely useful i'd be still be doing this if i hadn't done a phd i'd still be doing this this program and still be making like audio productions and and what have you Hmm. i mean it gives you a different understanding and and an authority when you're talking about stuff definitely
0: well yeah i was going to say that sometimes those qualifications um are just fantastic at making people stop and, and listen to, to what you've got to produce because they uh, they know that you've got that authority and that, that level of education beh- behind you. You did all that. You've, you've made fantastic audio as well as the skill. What, what sort of other project? Do you have other projects on the go at the same time at the moment, Tony?
1: Um, yeah, there's uh, the, 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 there are other audio productions going on. So I, I work... Um, at a company called Naked Productions and we're making stuff all the time really um, and I do lots of stuff with John I got John into Pro Tools actually so John John knows Pro Tools and we throw sessions back and forth between us when we're working on the skewer and working on other projects as well mm. but I, most of the um, unusual programs that John does that aren't just really straightforward speech programmes. I uh, mix for him as well. Cold Case Crime Cuts, which is a podcast which is really funny that, um, mm. that, that I did with John, um, Rockanory, loads of other kind of comedy podcasts. John does a lot of stuff, actually.
0: Yeah, uh, it's keeping you busy. And I should quickly add as well, when you say an unusual uh, program on unusual production. That's the name of the production. Oh yeah, company. John's, John's production company is called Unusual Productions. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting. Before I let you go, there's always one question I ask everyone, and that's if there's a single uh, radio program or a podcast that you might recommend uh, everyone go and listen to for whatever reason.
1: Well, I I th- I think. It changes so regularly, it changes all the time. But the one that, that was quite good I heard recently was uh, from something called Robin Ince's Reality Tunnel, which is a uh, BBC Radio 4. And just the first episode of that was great because they took an interesting approach to the sound design that's uh, uh, similar to some of the stuff that we we're doing with the skewer. And it works, you know, how they've how they done it worked really well.
0: I've not listened to it, so that sounds that sounds good to me. And, and Robin's l- really good as well. It's like being inside his his, his
1: brain for uh, <laughs> half an hour,
0: yeah. And, and do you find, out, out of interest, do you find that uh, you, you listen to things and find yourself wondering how they, they make things sound a certain way or, or, or anything along those lines?
1: There are programmes that I've listened to that I kind of wish that I was involved with making. Mm. So that the Radio 4, what was it called? There was the, where they had these fictional dinner parties.
0: Is it uh, My Dream Dinner Party? Is that the one? Was it Ed Balls that was hosting it? Oh Ed Balls is one of them, yeah. So 2017, Ed Balls, a strictly star and former MP in conversation with his heroes brought back to life.
1: Yes, that was a gr- that was that was a, that's a great idea, really well executed for for radio. So yeah, so there are kind of radio programmes that you hear and you kinda of wish that you wish that you're involved with. Yeah, really.
0: Huge thanks to Tony for his time, lots of interesting points from him there. Here are a few things that jumped out at me. The open door writing policy for the programme is really interesting, particularly as it is not writing in the conventional sense. Tony spoke about how this programme might appeal to content creators more generally. It's often a silly idea based on a topical news story that's turned into 45 seconds of audio session. The Fifty Shades of Sue Gray example we heard is a good one, and in a recent episode, through the Trump hole, rather than through the keyhole, used audio clips from Donald Trump's statement following the FBI raid on his home, and it was very funny. The episodes are generally finished on the day of broadcast to allow for news of the day to be included. Considering the quality of the production, this is a great effort by Tony, John, Holmes and the team, and it really adds to the value of the output. No wonder the skewer has won a number of production and comedy awards in the last two years. Radio compliance is always a big topic for students at the University of Bedfordshire, and it was fascinating for me to hear the process the programme goes through before broadcast at Radio 4. Roger clearly plays an important role in listening through and making sure it stays on the correct side of the Ofcom broadcast code. Finally, the conversation about the audio editing software was one I imagine lots of you will be interested by. The skewer is made using Pro Tools. Tony says the main reason for this is that he works fastest using it. I am using Adobe Audition to put this podcast together. What editing software are you using and why? I'd be fascinated to know. Please contact us on email or social media, details of both in a little bit. The Skewer is available on all podcast apps, including BBC Sounds, but when the series is running, it can be caught first on Radio 4 at 11.15pm on Wednesdays. I would like to briefly talk about something I've enjoyed listening to recently. The Rest is Politics is presented by former Downing Street Director of Communications and Strategy Alistair Campbell and former Cabinet Minister Rory Stewart. Alistair famously worked with Tony Blair's Labour government. Rory is most well known for running for the Conservative Party leadership in 2019. The podcast has been at the top or near the top of the UK podcast charts for much of 2022, And the duo talk about current affairs with the context of their experiences of Westminster, offering an insider's view on politics at home and abroad. They talk about bringing back the art of disagreeing agreeably, and I'd suggest this is true. I enjoy listening because I can't really dislike either of them, even if I don't always agree with their views. I also appreciate the relative fast pace of the episodes. There have even been special episodes featuring interviews with Tony Blair, William Hague and Keir Starmer. If you like politics at all or want to find out more about politics, The Rest is Politics is available on all podcast apps, and I very much recommend you have a listen. If you would like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with audio you recommend, stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at a noise. You can also email us on fantasticnoise@beds.ac.uk. Before we finish, it's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Today it is ad-lib, An ad-lib, or ad-libbing, is when a radio presenter improvises. Apparently, ad-libitum is Latin, meaning at one's pleasure, or as you desire, but I'm no classics or Latin expert. Ad-libbing is a common practice when something goes wrong, like the show is disturbed, or There's a technical difficulty. In my breakfast show days in Norwich, I was usually my own producer and some of my ad-libbing could be a real highlight for listeners if they had to hear me shouting as I walked away from a microphone to flick a switch on the other side of the studio to make the audio work properly. Some presenters perhaps rely on ad-libbing rather than planning content for their programs, but if you weren't familiar with the expression, you are now. Ad-lib is the radio word of the week. And that is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thank you so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do subscribe, give us a rating and a review, and follow us on social media, at Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks again to our guest today, Tony Chernside, who is part of the team that make The Skewer on BBC Radio 4. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that's Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Atom, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise.